Today's episode is brought to you by the Usher Cup World Club Challenge, about to kick off on the 19th of January through to Sunday the 22nd of Jan. It's going to be skits, $7,000 for first prize, male and female equal prize money with competitors from Australia, New Zealand, America, France, Japan, Indo, Hawaii. The first of its kind, it's going to be so mental, held up there at Snapper Rocks, hosted by the Snapper Rocks Board Riders Club. Holy smokes, it's a skits event. We were there commentating last year, we'll be there again commentating this year. Cannot wait for it to kick off. Get on up there. Jump on the Usher Cup website, ushercup.com. Have a sus. It's a full-blown stonker of a surf contest. Even better, the event has a massive charitable push. It supports a lot of people and charity networks in need up there around the Gold Coast and Queensland and New South Wales. It's it's an incredible event. Uh, Theo, the guy who puts it on, is a fucking icon, and uh, we're frothing to be a part of it. And don't forget the surfing, like, holy smokes, last year was Skits, Nathan Hedge, Sheldon Simkus, Dexter Muskins, like the full underground core lords from the zone and elsewhere, now broadened uh, to include the global field. I'm sure there's going to be some high-end surfers coming in from Indo, from the Padma Beach boys, and uh, elsewhere on the planet. Super psyched to be a part of it. Tap in. Ain't That Swell presents Crawlords. Today we head to Western Sydney to meet two Afghan Hazara men, Salim and Sammy. The pair came to Australia illegally by boat, with Salim spending two months in an offshore detention camp at Christmas Island and Sammy spending five years incarcerated on Manus Island. Salim, 28, and Sammy, 36, live in a sparsely furnished bottom floor unit in Maryland's Western Sydney. They work in construction, waking at 4.30am each morning to carpool to work. Their home is filled with second-hand furniture and a coffee table, which they've laid out with traditional Afghan desserts for us. In the corner, there is also an Afghan harmonium and some mics. Shortly, Salim, who was a pretty famous pop star back in Afghanistan, and Sammy, who plays alongside him in their Sydney-based Afghan Hazara band, will perform a cover of this famous Hazara refugee anthem, Lily John. Both Salim and Sammy are in Australia on bridging visas and still waiting to see whether they will be granted permanent residency or sent back to Afghanistan where a possible death sentence awaits. In Afghanistan I can live I cannot live because I because I am Hazara. Because so many different people, the, the big group people of Taliban and life is not safe there. And what do you think? With the, just with the stupid idea, with the stupid idea, with a little bit different between the religion, they can kill the people. 
they can kill the people. They can kill the people. Can you imagine? You know, that's why that's why make me sad. I am musician. I want to keep doing my music. And I don't want to die for because for just for music. Afghan Hazaras are an Islamic Shia minority comprising around 20% of Afghanistan's population of 30 million. They are said to be the descendants of Genghis Khan, the founder of the Mongol Empire, and their language, as well as their Asiatic features, set them apart from the majority ethnic Sunni Pashtun Afghans. In 1998, 2,000 Afghan Hazaras were murdered by the Taliban as part of what Sami describes as an ongoing genocide of his people. Uh, the Hazara people is the... A small group in Afghanistan. I don't know how many population from the... I think that uh, the Hazara people is just 26 or 25 percent of Afghanistan, you know. That's why... Uh, and with the different... A little bit religion, you know. And because we are Shia and we are Hazara, you know. And uh, the most bigger group in Afghanistan, they are Pashtun. I don't want to say about that. I don't want to talking about that because I don't want to make people sad, you know, some people, because maybe they get the wrong. They get wrong when I'm talking about that, they get the wrong, you know, because, but this is right, this is true. All people know about our problem, the Hazara problem, you know, because we are a small group, always, that's not from now, that's from the beginning, that's from the beginning, you know, that's a, a genocide, that's a genocide, always, 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 they kill Hazara people at the way, and uh, in this country, in Afghanistan, you know, always they kill just Hazara people. I don't know, because we are kind of people, just we want to, we want to be proud of ourselves. Always we try to be successful. Always we try to be right, you know. But I don't know, I don't know. Unfortunately, in this time, the, the one thing can make the people separate each other, that's just religion. That's a just religion, you know. For me, it's nothing important. I, yeah, I am Muslim. And right now, I live in the country, Australia, with I don't know with how many religions, maybe more than 100,000 religions, you know, maybe 100,000 religions, I don't know, you know. But for me, this is important. Religion, every religion is the same. For me, every religion is the same. Because every religion, they said you have to be human. And for me, the best, best religion is just humanity. That's it. Hazaras are regularly kidnapped, tortured, and murdered by the Taliban. At least two Hazaras with links to Australia are among the victims. Syed Habib Muzawi, an Afghan-Australian refugee from Western Sydney who was granted asylum and travelled back to Afghanistan to visit family and friends, was dragged off a bus in September of 2014 and tortured to death for his ties to Australia. As was Zainullah Nazari, an Afghan refugee who was incredibly deported back to his homeland by the Australian government in 2014. He was seized and tortured to death by the Taliban after they found photos of the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge on his phone, along with an Australian driver's licence. <laughs> Salim fled Afghanistan shortly after turning 21. He made the mistake of taking a job as a security guard with the Australian Armed Forces in Kabul, but after being spotted by the Taliban returning home from work in uniform, his family was threatened with death. Initially, he ignored it, but after the second threat, the decision was made with his brothers that he had to leave. He arrived in Australia via India, Malaysia, Indonesia, 
and a 14-day boat trip to Christmas Island that was only meant to take three. It nearly killed him. He spent two months in detention on Christmas Island before being released. When I was in Afghanistan, when I was 18, I worked with the military, Australian military force, Australian military force. And uh, then I worked like three years with Australian embassy as well. Because always we uh, traveling by uh, military force to, uh, um, when I go home by my uh, military uh, uniform, the life was very dangerous because everyone see me, because everyone, especially the, the some enemy, uh, because everyone's gonna call me. One and two times they hurt me because he said, why are you working with foreign people? You shouldn't be working with foreign people. Uh, the first, the first, the third, when he did, he called me. I didn't care about this. The second, then that, when I, I go home, I, I communicate with my brother about these things. My brother said, "You have to. It's better you have to leave uh, Kabul because if you wanna be here, they're gonna find you. They're gonna come in your house." At least my, 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 your brother's life is in the danger, your sister, you're everywhere, everywhere, because you work with foreign people. It's the better way you have to go somewhere for healing. That's why I came in Australia, I find here. Semi took a longer route. He left Afghanistan as a three-year-old after his father was taken from the family home and executed by the Taliban. He and his mother and brother walked across the Afghan mountains into Iran, where he lived for 28 years as a refugee. Life is difficult for Afghan refugees in Iran. They are denied basic human rights, such as identity cards, preventing them from many things, including entering the workforce. They are also subjected to various forms of violence and discrimination. I have two injured in my head, two injured in my head, just because they want to take my money, because they want to take my money. And I had it, I bullied me, you know, I bullied me and just because I didn't want to give them the money and just they hit me with the knife in my head, you know. To be honest, can you imagine me? I don't want my son grow up in this like this situation. That's why, that's why all the time when they ask me why you come in here, I explain to them. I said, yeah, we, we have like this situation. And what can I do in Afghanistan? What can I do in Afghanistan? In Afghanistan, I can live, I cannot live because I, because I am Hazara. If I can ask someone who is here, who has a, ch- has a child or son, because sometimes people say to me, how long you didn't see your son? Because I, when I answer them, yeah, this is almost six years, and just they shock, you know? This is just they shock, and I wanna ask, for example, how long you didn't see your family? How long, the long time, how long is it? This is a six years I didn't see my mother, you know? I didn't see my child, I didn't see my, this is a six years, you know, and anything can, I believe this hard time, just hope about the future, you know, just hope about the future, you know. It's nothing different, you know, when you are asylum seeker, it's not different, you are in here, you are in another country, you are asylum seeker, you know, but just I want to, when my son grew up, he just be human and be good, you know, be good. He grew up somewhere good because 
all we are have a responsibility when we bring the someone to this to this world we have a responsibility to how grow up grow up them it's you know yeah, because right now he cannot go to the school he is always home and he is a little bit depressed and sometimes just i talking with him and and what we can do because my id card expired and now he cannot go to the school as well and my feel is really sorry because the thing can make the people real real human that's a study you know when you have a study in your mind when you have a study you have a good idea when you have a study you have everything when you have a study you grow up so polite you know you grow up so polite and you can be kind with people you can be generous you can be good with the people he arrived in australia via dubai malaysia and indonesia where he boarded a rickety overcrowded vessel to christmas island then to his horror he was deported to the controversial papuan new guinean detention center on menace island where he spent five years he prefers not to talk about his time on menace partly out of fear of having his bridging visa revoked but also because of the horrors he witnessed can i don't answer this question please I, because uh, to be honest, I don't want to talking about that. But it was completely hard. It was so, so, so hard because we didn't know what's going on in the future because all the time they said to us, you have to be in here for five years, six years, and we, don't, we didn't have any hope. But hopefully right now I'm in Australia. The next track we're going to hear is one of Salim's, ironically recorded in Australia, though a hit in Afghanistan after the film clip got national airplay on Afghani television. I'll let him tell you about it. The Lazmu song, uh, when I released two years before, um, it's like traditional uh, music from Afghanistan. And also, it's the lyrics, it means like, my heart is belongs to the girls, it's getting more, more, more. It's like sample uh, lyrics. Everyone, uh, when I release it, the songs, when I choose it, the lyrics, when I release it, everyone liked because it was very simple and also everyone understand very quick. That's why the name of Delazmo here, yeah, I like it too, this one. It gets very popular in Afghanistan and also here it gets very popular. Especially my old mates, my old friends, when uh, message me from my page and the page, they, pers- uh, they all the time giving good comment for me. And also they like my music and also every time. Yeah, it's very good uh, for me.
چطور مقبول کو خوش رنگی دختر دل از دل از چه خوب نور بند شو خوش رنگی دختر دل از دل از همه دل بندی تو دل ما برده دل از دل از چه زیبا مثل گل می خندی دختر دل از دل از دل از دل از نو آخ دل از نو عاشق دختر شده دل ماشق بود عاشق تر شده دل از نو عاشق دختر شده دل ماشق بود عاشق تر شده This is Sammy telling the story of why he left Afghanistan. In truth, he doesn't really know. He was only three years old, but this is what his mother told him. He asked to excuse his English. He's still learning, so he gets a few words wrong from time to time. When he says he walked across the Afghan mountains for nine years, he means nine days. When I was three years old, this is a history my mom told me before, you know. If I said to you guys, even I didn't had before until maybe two, three months ago, if I let you know I didn't have any photo from my father and I didn't see ever my father, you before you guys maybe said yeah you are bullshit but not this is a true because when i was three years old my mom said yeah it was the night time you know it was the night time and the people came and just yeah take my father from the home and for my brother they they was be, uh, hidden they was hidden i don't know somewhere like a i don't know what called that with the english when they take the water from the, yeah. And then for my brother, they go on the ground to be safe. And because my mom was alone and I was alone and three years old, and they come and just knock the door. And when my father opened the door, just they took my father, just they took my father. And after that, uh, my mom said, yeah, just uh, that time, we hid it just if you're shutting voice, if you're shutting sound and the day after when we go, just I see your father and two, three people from my village, they killed by Mujahid in that time, yeah. And after that, my mom said I couldn't 
I didn't know what we can do. Just I said to my old brother, I know my old brother, he said just, yeah, I'm sure. The same happened to us if we be in here and they can kill us all, you know, and just my mom said, yeah, okay, where we can go, where we can go. At that time, just we ran away. My mom decided uh, just to, we go to another country somewhere safe. And after that, just we move. After that, just we move. After my mom said, "Yeah, you was three years old, and I walking with you, and you was in my hug maybe for I don't know for nine years walking, just walking, walking in the mountain, you know." And uh, that was sometimes when I speak with my mom, when I saw him, when I saw her, it completely broke my heart, you know, because. Right now, he need me, he need, and I need her, I need her to be with her, and I don't know how can I explain to you, it's difficult, because right now she is in Germany by asylum seeker, because she is asylum seeker too. And it was the history of my life, you know, but the good thing is, just three months ago, just three months ago, my old brother, he called somewhere, I don't know, in Afghanistan, because we have a, like an office, like an office when you get your ID card, you know? It's a book, it's an old, old book from the beginning, for example, maybe for, for 50 years ago, for something, and uh, he just said to somebody, yeah, can you go, if you can, find my father photo, and after that, if you send for me, and right now, I had a photo from my father. And for first time, when I saw that photo, I completely couldn't breathe, you know, because it's... Can you imagine that just... You live with your father's name, but no real father, you know? It's, that's why sometimes I say to some people, when they are through the asylum seeker, a little bit different and... Thing I said to them, please be a little bit kind because any of them can have a story like me, you know. An estimated 2.3 to 3 million Afghans live inside Iran, of whom 800,000 are children. The first wave of Afghan refugees arrived in Iran following the 1979 Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and subsequent civil war. They had access to public education and opportunities to work. Some 97% of Afghans lived outside of refugee camps and were integrated into urban communities. Since the 2001 US-led invasion of Afghanistan and the so-called fall of the Taliban, Iran began instituting increasingly restrictive laws on Afghans, including bureaucratic hurdles, limitations on movement, deportation of minors, separation of families, and reduced access to education. I have been there for 28 years. Can you imagine? Even I couldn't buy the one SIM card with my name. Even I couldn't buy the one SIM card with my name at the time, you know, that time. And uh, you don't have any right. You don't have any, any right, to be honest. At the end of the time, they just want to make the Afghani people, Afghani children in the school, they want to separate from the Irani guys, you know. And right now, right now, if you're in Vegas State, you can see, you can see what's going on there for the Afghani people. And I am so, so, so happy because... Still, I can see the Australia, the great country, is still 
they accept the refugee from the Iran, the Afghani people, you know, the Afghani people, they catch them, they catch them and bring them to this country. Because uh, it's for me so difficult if I want to explain for that, you know, can you imagine the field 28 years and be in this country? You cannot even use, you don't have any right. Every six months, every one year, you have to exchange again your ID card and pay the big, big money. And how you can make the money when you don't have any job? When you don't have any job in Iran, you know? How you can make the money, to be honest? The job you can do in Iran, you have to, the first time, you have to take the ID card, take the ID card for just for the job. And what kind of job? What kind of job? This is the hard, hard job. You have to work in the bocha, you know, and cleaning. I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. And so many difficult, difficult job, you know? So many, so many difficult job. Why, 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 why have to be like that? Am I not human? Does someone ask them, you know? Am I not human? And that thing just make me really, really sad. And if I say to you one story about my child, about my son, how can I explain to you? He was not comfortable. My, my son's name is Iman. He was not comfortable in, in there, you know? And he was so shy. He was so shy. And every time he came home, all the time I could see he, his face is red. I ask him, what's going on, daddy? He said, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I said, him, what? For what reason? I said, they completely treat me differently. Look, I am nothing. Look, I am nothing, to be honest. And I said, all the time I said to him, okay, don't worry, just you go, everything become good, and you used to be with them, and that's so good for you. And one time, one time, to be honest, when, when I was there, just it's completely broken my heart, broken my heart, because one day I drop off my son to the school, and drop my son to the school, and I come back home, and I come back home, and his mom said, oh, you, you forget his sandwich for his... Uh, lunchtime, you know? I said to him, okay, no worries, maybe I can go there now. And when I arrived there, to be honest, it was the the time of, uh, it was the between the class and the time, I don't know what the English, uh, the excursion time, you know? The, the, the Sorry about, I really cannot complain, uh, really cannot explain very well, you know? And when I arrived there, to be honest, when I arrived there, it was for me, I try to find my son, and all people, the Iranian people, you can see the children completely was happy, running, joking, talking. And when I see my son and uh, my son's brother, because they go to, they like a small chicken, they sit each other and just a scare, a scare, and just, and that time I get really, really angry, and I said, I call him, I said, Iman, what's going on? He said, no, 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 I don't wanna, I don't wanna, being here, I don't want to be, you, you see, I want to go just, I want to go home. I told you before, I don't want to be in, in this school. I said to him, why, why, why you don't play with the boy, with the guy, with, what, what, what's going on? He said, yeah, they treat me completely differently. And when I saw that, it's completely broken my heart. And can you, can you imagine, can you imagine how poor we are, how poor we are? I didn't do any fault. My fault is just I coming to this world because my mom born me in this world to this world, for what? I am human as well. I have a heart too. When I was in Iran, I had a class. And in here, 
18 months, 18 months I did volunteer job for the star, you know, and make the people happy. I show them how they can music, you know, I, I teach them. But in Afghanistan, if I, can you imagine if I try to do that? And they said, yeah, the people, a stupid thing in the mind, they said, oh, they think when you hear the woman's voice, when you hear the woman's voice, this is a haram, you know? Can you imagine if I go there and i dancing and i playing in keyboard, what, what they can do with me? Especially I am Hazara as well, you know? And you see the situation of Hazara people in Afghanistan now, Every day, every day, bombalas. Every day, bombalas. When? Where? Exactly the Hazara area. And what they think? What, what? What do you think? You know, in the country, in the country, the people think when you kill someone, straight they go to the heaven. Which heaven? Which heaven? Even no, anyone come back from the heaven, and I am not sure is it any heaven or no, for 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 that. How they can kill the people to go to the heaven? You know, that's our situation. And that's why I am in Australia now. And I'm really, really, really appreciate it. I am really, really appreciate it. Because in here, <clears throat> sorry, I find myself. In here, I find myself. Yeah, I am in here almost for six years. When I lived home, my son was six years old. Sorry, five years old. And now he is almost 12 years old, you know? And all the time just I chatting with him with the Facebook, with the I'm or the, what kind of thing we have, you know? And can you imagine? But still I am happy. Still I am happy I am in here safe, you know? The Hazara people, the people become asylum seekers to another country. They don't want nothing. Just they want some... Somewhere safe. Just they want to be alive, you know? Just they want to be alive. That's it. They don't want nothing more. They don't want to take the job from the people. They don't want to take the opportunity from the people. Yeah, I am in here. I am in here. I am in Australia. But I'm working so, so, so hard. I do the construction job, you know? I do the construction job. When I come back home, I cannot collect myself, you know? Because I just I lie down, you know? But, yeah, I am happy. I am happy to do the hard job, the hard thing, and I am safe. At least, because I am Hazara, nobody can kill me. At one point, Semi was deported back to Afghanistan, where it was obvious he would be killed before too long. Uh, they deported me from the Iran to the Afghanistan, and after that, when I see the situation in Afghanistan, the first time I want to uh, see if I can live in Afghanistan, it will be better because that's my country, that's my religion. But when I see the situation, it was so, so dangerous and so bad for me because I was a musician as well, you know. And uh, do you know, uh, with the Taliban or the another group, that's a big, big, big fault, you know, because they have a completely different idea, different mind, and uh, the people with the different idea and different mind because and the different belief, uh, when you ha are in... Afghanistan in dangerous situation, and you are a musician as well. When I saw that, I couldn't stay there, and uh, I started to try to go to the, the first I think about myself, oh, where I can go, Europe, uh, where, where I can go to find myself, you know? After that, just, I realized, yeah, 
I go, I think by myself, yeah, maybe I can go to the Australia. I can go to the Australia and I started, I started and after so, so, so difficult time and uh, so many traveling, I arrived to the Australia now. Salim was still living in Afghanistan at this point. Here he recalls bearing witness to a suicide bomber a few streets away that killed many, but probably not thousands as he says. He apologizes for his English. He's still learning and gets some words wrong. Society bomber is another one. I don't need to explain what he means there. The most worst things that I live in Afghanistan, uh, you know, the, in 2010 on 2009, it's a big society bomber in between the mosque. Uh, is, it was the close, close to me, like five, five minutes close to me. Between the 1,000 people, society Bama improved for himself. Uh, that moment, that was very worst things for me. I was very upset. I was very uh, scary moment on that time. I saw some, some people like doesn't have, doesn't have hand. Some people doesn't have leg some people doesn't have heart that was very that moment is every every day every night when i mentioned from afghanistan that memory is coming in my mind uh, but i'm also i am always thinking about uh, what's the problem Hazara people on Shia people. What's the problem? What they have problem? Afghanistan. What's these people problem? Why they gonna come society with Afghan com with Hazara community? I'm always thinking about this uh, kind of uh, bad memory. But that that memory was very bad for me because I see everything on that from overseas. To be honest, the bad memory. Never people can forget that, you know, because if you want or if you don't want, any time can come to your mind. But the kind of thing make me help, just hope to the future, you know. For example, when I so so I am so so sad or some sad memory can, just I said to myself, just I can say to myself, Sammy. Stop thinking about that and just live it. Just now think about this. You are in this country. And that's happened. Never come again. And this make me help, you know. This make me help. And especially I have good, good, good friends in here, you know. Because sometimes friends can be closer than family, you know. And I speak with them and chatting, talking, laughing, and that's a good. And especially music, especially music, because I love music, you know, because I so, so love music. And sometimes when I am really, really sad, just I turn on my keyboard, yeah, and just I singing, 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 singing. Sometimes the neighbor comes and I say, what's wrong with you? This is not Sunday night, you know? And I said to them, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry, but I want to be happy just, you know. Our next track is Sar Zameen Man, arguably the song that made legendary Hazara poet, singer, and musician Dawood Sarakosh famous. 
It is a political protest song in honor of Hazara refugees. Oh, God. 
For Sammy, the worst thing about leaving Iran was having to leave behind his five-year-old son with family. The decision, while difficult, was still a no-brainer. Life in Iran is only getting worse for Afghans as the government continues its crackdown. Once he made it to Australia, Sammy assumed he would be granted refugee status and given the opportunity to work and save money to fly his son out. It's a good history if I let you know because uh, before I come in here, almost one month I work in his mind, you know, to make him a little bit comfortable or relax. And I said to him, Dad, uh, when I want to leave, you are man and you cannot cry, you know, and I want to see your cry. And to be honest, for the last time when I hug him, he was just a small baby. And I forget everything. And just I start to cry, you know, <laughs> sorry. And I start to cry and he said to me, hey, dad, you said to me before you have to be man, but now you're crying. I said, him, uh, I forget that. I, I, I forget that. I said, him, no, that it don't be, don't get wrong. If I cry, I'm happy because I want to go somewhere. And after that, take you to here, to there and you can be free. Nobody can say to you something. Nobody can bully you. And yeah, and right now he's in Iran. Yeah, right now he's in Iran. And sometimes, because this is six years, I say to him, yeah, I coming soon, I coming soon, I coming soon. And he all the time asks me, when you come, when you come, when you come. And sometimes he said to me, you are bullshit. <laughs> you don't want to come in here, you know. But hopefully, because uh, right now I have my five years visa, Maybe soon I can go and see them, yeah, and I'm so, so, so happy and really appreciate it from the Australian people. But it doesn't work like that. Since the Howard government took over in the late 90s, refugees have been prevented from entering Australia and instead warehoused in prisons and concentration camps off the coast of the country. Christmas Island, located 1,500 kilometres northwest of Australia in the Indian Ocean, is one. Menace Island, located off the coast of Papua New Guinea, is another. And Nauru, an island located 4,500 kilometres northeast of Australia, in the middle of the Pacific, is the third. Sammy spent five years on Manus Island. As mentioned, he'd prefer not to talk about it. So he lifted this report from This American Life about the situation for Afghans and various other nationalities being kept in offshore detention by Australia. The man speaking is Martin Dormer, a Dutch psychiatrist who worked on Nauru. Most of them didn't sleep. This, that is their main complaint. 
They didn't sleep till four or so, and then they said, did you sleep afterwards? No, I didn't sleep, but I just rested a little, they said. Um, pains in their back, in their, in their head. I mean, they always want sleeping pills and pills for headache. Um, fear of dying and, and uh, feeling of fainting and sort of feeling that you can't breathe anymore. Self-mutilation. Uh, with a knife over there, over the chest and over the arms and so on, a lot of blood. This happened, I mean, at least a dozen of times. The idea that he wouldn't be considered a refugee never occurred to Sammy. He'd been one for 28 years. He'd never seen his father because he was shot dead by extremists at a point that predates his memory. He felt he had a case, so he's going to plead it again here for what it's worth. Some people maybe they said, yeah, okay, if you so like your family, why you don't go back, yeah? So I, I, because sometimes so many people say to me this, yeah, oh, okay. And when I, I told them my story, and after that they understand. Like before I said to you guys, yeah, this is, a, this is a situation, you know. And I am happy to be in here. Believe the hard, hard time. Believe the hard, hard time. Believe the hard, hard time. To one day bring them in here. And uh, they can be free. Just free, just be free. Nobody can say to them, yeah, who are you? Where you come from? Because with the experience I had before in another country for 28 years, we didn't have any right. We didn't have any, 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 any right. And this is true. And still, I am with the hope because just the hope make the people wait, make the people live, make the people... Yeah, at the end, yeah, hope is good. <laughs> hope is good. As Sammy points out, the journey alone should be evidence of these people's desperation. The boat trip from Indonesia to Australia requires travelling through giant swells and storms across the Indian Ocean, one of the most volatile in the world. I had a travel from Kabul to Dubai, and... Uh, Dubai to the Sri Lanka uh, by airplane, and after Sri Lanka to the Singapore, Singapore arrived to the Indonesia, you know. And uh, from the Indonesia, just it was crazy history. If I let you know, guys, you'll be completely shocked, you know, because uh, at the time they call us and they said, yeah, you are ready to go? I said, yeah. And two times we tried to get the boat, and we couldn't because one time they both have a problem and uh, one time they said he's not safe now. The place is not safe to take you guys to the boat. And this third time when we uh, arrived to the, uh, to, to the bush and it was, we had a six hours drive before and we was almost maybe Seven or eight, I cannot remember, it's uh, almost six years ago, you know, and we was in the small car with the driver and just drive maybe around six hours. And after that, we arrived near the beach. And when we arrived near the beach and <laughs> um, we go to the water to arrive to the small, small, small boat. And uh, after that, we take... We see. Uh, we arrived to the big boat, you know. After that, and I was 
three days uh, on the boat. We was. We was 63 people. 63 people in the boat. And we had one family with us as well. One Hazara uh, family as well with the three years old girl and seven years old boy, you know. And before that, we was ready completely. We bought everything, like a tire for making air on that. If we drop down in the water, we have to put that on the our bed, on the our back, and jump in the water. You know, if something happened. And the bad, bad, bad memory I had from these three days in the water, it was the because the. The family was with us and uh, with the three years old girl because her mom completely fall down about she becomes sick because the boat is completely moving, moving, moving and raining, moving, you know. And so many people was down the boat and a few people was in the area, in the, in the boat there. And one night it become the weather become completely changed and thunderstorm come, rain come, everything come together and just because her mom fall down and just a few people every time just look after her, you know? And that time I said, yeah, I can look after her as well. If, why not, you know? And just, I catch her and just, she was in my hug, she was in my hug and I hug her. And my left hand, just I take the some wood to hold myself, you know, to hold myself. And the boat completely different, and the the water was completely rough, and thunderstorm raining. And that time I didn't know what can I do. Thing like I am not in this world, you know, I am not in this world because it was night time. You couldn't see nothing. You couldn't see nothing. Just dark, 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 dark star in the sky and when you see in the down it's completely water and we was close completely to dead and that time just one thing came to my mind and I said to myself I said God please yeah if I had a big fault or all people in have a big fault in here and they did something bad in their life what's her fault just she's a three years old girl what is her fault? And please, please, please save us. Please save us. And just I praying, you know, just I, I pray. And all the people pray. So many people just, a few people just fall down. They didn't know what's happened, you know. That was the the bad, bad, bad memory I had from that night, you know. If I want to explain to you about my journey... How I arrived to the Australia, it's taken me so, 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 so long, you know? It's taken me so, so long. Can you imagine, when I start to come to the Australia, it's taken me almost six months to arrive to Australia. Every time, six months, waiting for visa, waiting for this, waiting for that, waiting for that. And just the most dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing, it was in the water. It was in the water, and it was the completely my bad memory. 
from that time. And what were conditions like on that boat? The condition was like it when you put the, for example, you want to put the 20, uh, it's like a, a small matches, and you put the, for example, you want to put the 200 matches on that, another thing. This is 63 people in one small boat, an old boat with the wood. And the engine working just like a tick, 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 just like this, you know? And you can see the wave come front of you, the wave come from back you. Just, I don't know, I don't know how we survive. Just completely, I don't know how we survive. And that time, sometimes, say to us, hey, why are you coming here? Because so many people, they call the people economic, economic refugee, but we are not economic refugee. If I was economic refugee, if I was economic refugee, never I don't want to come in here, yeah? Never I can play with my life. I take my life in my hand and be three days in the water. I swear to God in three days, in three days, just, I ate before just maybe two, three apples. Nothing. The situation was so, 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 so bad, you know? Even can, you cannot imagine, you cannot imagine, to be honest, to be honest. Yeah, if I can find some director, I swear to God, just I make a movie and all people can see that and after that they give the right to us. They can give the right to us. These people is not, these people, maybe something happened to them, they leave their country. Nobody want to leave their country. Nobody want to leave their country. Maybe some big, big, big reason behind of that, and we leave our country, you know? We was in Indonesia. It's two way to come to the Australia. The some of my friends, when I saw them, I speak with them and I said to them, yeah, you want to go? They said, we want to go from the far way. Far way, they take the 10 days to 12 days to arrive to the Australia. You know? And when I say to us, which way you want to choose? I said to him, yeah, I choose the close way. Close way and dangerous way. Because this is my idea. When your time finish for the life, when your time, fin your time is finished. And I said to him, yeah, I don't want to be 10 days in the water. If God make a decision to make me die, <laughs> make me dead, it's better in three days, you know? And I said to him, okay. And I, we choose the, yeah, the short way. We choose the short way and uh, just three, three days in the water, you know? Just three days in the water. But it's a funny thing because when we arrived to the Christmas Island first, I saw the some of my friends because they lost the way. Instead of they be in the water for 10 days, 9 days, they be in the water for 14, 15 days. And when, when I saw them, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't know them. I said, what's wrong with you guys? Because the face completely burned of some, you know? And because, yeah, and 
that's a, just like that. That was, I, I said, yeah, the, nobody want to take a risk, take a risk, risk, you know, and come to the water. For what? For what? If I had a good country, if I had a good country, if the asylum seeker, they come by boat, if they had a good country, if they were safe, they couldn't accept this thing. You know, you know what I mean? Because I have a child. I have a family. They have a family. Anyone can be one people's sister, one people's mother, one people's father, one people... You know, you know what I mean? It, that's, it's, it's completely... It was just three days, you know? It was just three days, but for me, it was like three years. Three years, you know? Because you even cannot you imagine. Because sometimes when I go near the beach and I just I want to see... Straight ahead, I remember that night, you know, that three nights when I was in the water. And I said to him, oh, I said to myself, oh, my God, did I cross from this water? How? How? How I am survive? How I am survive, you know? Our third track today is another of Salim's titled, and I apologize for the pronunciation, Quad Azto, recorded and shot in Melbourne.
باقی ما و تو یک جا بخانه بیا که ما و تو باری وطن خو بیا که ما و تو باری وطن خو برفتی تن برو سر نا بخانم برفتی تن برو سر نا بخانم قدستوت 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 تلخی دنیا شیرینه قدستوت تلخی دنیا شیرینه هی عاشق درد داغت را نبینه هی عاشق درد داغت را نبینه Life in Australia has been nothing short of a dream. The two of them ask us repeatedly for opportunities to thank the Australian people for their kindness. They have been overwhelmed by the hospitality and warmth they received, even by the police. One day I was in the car and driving, you know, and just I back from the work and I was a little bit tired. I was a little bit tired and uh, I listened to the music so loud, you know. And I arrived to the behind of the red light and suddenly the police was close to me. I said, oh my God, maybe I am in trouble, you know? And he just said to me, take the mirror down. And when I do the window down, he said, you okay? And just, I didn't know what he said. Yeah, I'm okay, but just I, am, just I am happy, that's it. And after that he said to me, that's good. When you are happy, this is a good point, you know? And after that, oh my God, I said to myself, I said, oh my God, can you imagine if this happened to another country? They come down and take you down and punch you, you know, and you do the bad, bad things to you, you know, and that was really, really, really good memory. Never I can forget that, and never I can forget that, you know, because uh, I want to say to the Australian people, they don't know, to be honest, they don't know how lucky they are. They don't know how lucky they are. They live like heaven, especially the children. Children grow up so free. You know what I mean? They live in this country. They are super, super lucky. They are so, so, so far from the war, you know? From the fighting. You know? They grow up with the study. They can do anything they want. You know what I mean? I was not like that. That was, I am really, really appreciative. And I just said to the Australian people, you are super, super, super lucky. And why you are super, super lucky? This is my idea. Because when you be good, the good thing come. That's a comma. And just be happy. And just have to be happy. And I said to the Australian people, again, really, really appreciative. Really, really appreciative. To make me safe in this country. They are proud to represent Australia and promise they are not here to cause problems or take anyone's job. A fanciful idea given Australia lets in a paltry 2,000 refugees a year compared with 200,000 middle-class migrants from India, China, Europe and elsewhere in what is the largest immigration program in the developed world. For their final track, Salim and Sammy pick up the instruments. This is the iconic Lily Lily Yan Yan by the man they call the Afghan Elvis, Armid Zahir. As a side note, Salim and Sammy play sporadically at Afghan community events with their band and would love nothing more than to take bookings for gigs anywhere an Australian would have them.
Say you be sure enough.